Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here as always with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for the challenge that starts tomorrow. Drum roll. Yes. That's terrible. I don't want to bang on my desk and make the microphone vibrate. <laughs> Excited. Last minute Larry's. Last and minute Lucy's. Speaking mm-hmm. to you, speaking to me. Come on in, the water's warm. Head to the show notes, click the link. Last seven day master fasting challenge of the year, strategically positioned right in between Thanksgiving and Christmas before the new year. This is when we found that people need more support than ever. This is when I felt off the most in my weight loss journey pre-fasting. Me too, yes. So come on in, check it out, head to the show notes, click the link. Tommy, today's conversation, we wanna head back to some of the big picture basics as we transition from 2023 to 2024. We did this last year as well. We launched our new Blueprint to Fasting to Fat Loss in January of last year, which has been really incredible. That's a free PDF. You can head to the show notes, click the link for that. We'll zoom it over to your inbox, Mm -hmm. your email inbox. But as we transition to the end of the year, this is when the pressure increases, the opportunity increases, the stigma around our health and our diet and our weight loss, you know, all of that stuff in that dieting culture, weight loss culture comes to mind. When we have a fasting lifestyle, we want to think completely opposite of that construct, right? We want this to be an empowering, simplified version. You want to show up fasting for life, aptly named, right? Gave you and I our lives back, improved our, you know, our labs, reduced our weight, increased our decrease for me, our my undiagnosed prediabetes, asthma, allergies, COPD for you. We really want to go big picture here as we transition and set some intention for 2024. And this is for us the season to do it. This is when you plan, right? If you don't plan, plan to fail, right? That's a Mm -hmm. cliche because it's true. So we're going to get into this big picture, defining health, and then looking at how to break free from the scale and really focus on some better fitness and activity benchmarks and how fasting fits into that and how some of the Mm -hmm. pitfalls with fasting can kind of go make it more difficult. And we'll talk about exercise, et cetera. But this is a really cool article written by Michael Hunter, MD, published in Being Well. And this was back in October. And it really just started a cool conversation between you and I. So we'll get into that in just a second. Just want to welcome in all the new listeners. If you are coming to the podcast now, perfect timing, right? We're going to set the stage, hit the ground running. You want to hear more about our story and how fasting transformed our lives and why we come to you each and every week with a fasting-related episode or a lifestyle application of fasting. Head back, listen to episode one. For all the OGs continuing to listen, you're on this journey with us. We're going to continue to show up. we got no plans in stopping. We only have plans of increasing to help people 
pull you out of the diet and weight loss mentality. I'm trying to get there and pull you out of the diabetes and obesity epidemic that we currently have here in the States and across the world and empower you to know that you do have a choice and you can break free from that stubborn little piece of plastic, metal or glass that's on the floor in your bathroom that literally just measures the gravitational force of the earth on your body. Mm. That's what it is. It's a number. But with that number comes a lot of emotion and feeling and whatnot. And that is why I love this conversation about breaking free from the scale, three better fitness and activity benchmarks. So Tommy, let's, let's dive in. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to just say, okay, that's how I kind of define my goals. What's your biggest goal for the year for your health? Well, it's, you know, oftentimes it's a weight loss goal and you know, what we need to, what we need to pull up some stats on that. Cause I'm sure that's what it is. Weight loss or financial goal. It's gotta be, it's one of those two. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be like seven out of 10 plus, you know, I I don't know for new year's resolutions. I don't know how many times I did it, but it's kind of the crazy train when you're kind of defining your overall health by one single number, it's really not that simple. It's also not worth having the scale, like define your day or your mindset or your quarter or your year, you know, based on this one number, if it's an important goal, then great, let's go after it. But at the same time, let's, let's have some other better indicators that we're kind of measuring ourselves by as well, and then work fasting into that. So Ah, talking about 80%. (laughs) <laughs> Health and fitness goals, yeah. 70, 69, 70% financial goals, and then 60% personal development or career yeah. goals. So yeah, I mean, let's go. Keep right. going. I was just, I just yeah. had to look it up. Incredible. And That's, that was from yeah. uh, Gallup poll. From it's crazy. So, well, you know, like your overall fitness, like, you know, cardiovascular fitness to, you know, strength, your ability to move your own body in a way that feels, you know, unencumbered and it feels like you are free to do so and to do the things that you want to do is like an important starting point. Because when we hear the word fitness or we hear exercise or strength training, oftentimes we go to like pictures of the gym and very heavy weights and very rigorous exercises and things like that. Lots of cardio, biggest loser type classes. For sure. Expensive machinery and, you know, needing access and memberships and canceling these memberships, you know, maybe in February or March. Yeah, if they let you. So all of these things can actually be a deterrent or a detractor for going after. These things are very important. Fitness is very important and it it should be part of your definition of health. And, you know, we we talk a lot in the challenges about how to work in your fasting with your exercise and your fitness and defining fitness as well, because these are important levers to pull. But at the same time, a lot of times we have kind of a mixed up definition of some of these things just because of like diet culture and gym culture and, and things like that. We don't have to be at a gym to be fit or to be working on our fitness. And we don't have to be training for something in particular to have fitness as one of our overall like Right. Pillars of health, right? Right. And I think it's interesting that we set, you know, 80% of Americans, you know, myself included, would do the same thing. But with a fasting lifestyle, you know, we really want to shift that mindset from the on off to the lifestyle component, right? And that just takes repetition. And I really feel like this begins with the incorrect definition of health, right? So you mentioned this, Mm -hmm. and I want to start there because when I started fasting, I was, and I know this is similar to you as well. It was like, I woke up and I was the overweight, not massively overweight, but I had the visceral fat belly from my years of powerlifting. And I was doing the macros and calorie counting and tracking and keto and nutrition challenges and exercising five to six days a week and weighing and measuring and doing all of those things, right? 
but the reality is when I came to fasting and you know, you shared with me what you had been doing, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I did some intermittent fasting, but then I really started looking at fasting from a different perspective where I was like, wait a minute, this is a simplifier. This is a life giver, right? right? And when I started fasting, I was doing it to get healthy again because my labs had started to look off and I was tired all the time and I wasn't as great of a husband as I could be and I wasn't as productive as work and I was trying to sneak in naps so I could have energy during the witching hour to play with my kids. Yep, me too. Mm -hmm. So this definition of health is this thing that lives off in Peter Pan's Never Never Land in the future, right? It's like, well, I don't wanna have Alzheimer's, I wanna prevent disease, right? But in the yeah. now, you don't have an anchor to that, right? Mm -hmm. So fasting is a way to stack the deck in your favor to create long-term sustainable habits to get you results, because fasting can do that very quickly. And it comes to me back to this definition of health, like what is the definition of health? And I used to ask this when I would do these lectures, weekly lectures, for years when I was in clinical practice, and I would say, okay, I would put the word health up on the board. I say, all right, what is the definition of health? And nine times out of 10, people would say, I have no pain, my blood work looks good, right? Those types no of, meds. I have no physical ailments, mm -hmm. right? I'm able to live my life, right? And the reality is when you look at the definition, it's the overall condition of an organism or a person at any given time. So it's Merriam-Webster, of being sound in body, mind, or spirit, especially free from physical disease or pain, mm -hmm. right? It's a general condition of the body, a condition in which someone or something is thriving or doing well, right? And if you look at the World Health Organization definition, health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Yeah, so it's I, not I like that because it has, an em yeah, it has an emphasis on not just no disease, right? I like, I like that as, as kind of a, a second part of Hold it. Hold on. So guess what? No disease for me. I had a couple of labs that were off. I had these day-to-day -day symptoms, this fatigue, the extra visceral fat. I was doing the eat less, move more consistently for year after years after year after year after year. Yeah. Right? So I didn't have any disease yet, but I was absolutely a pre-diabetic when I got my fasting insulin tested and it was 22. Yeah. Disease was not defined in the right way that fit your individual circumstances at the time. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about not having disease, but you have like these, you know, physical well-being, right? And just going back to what I was talking about before, as far as going about your daily life in a way that, you know, feels like I'm able to thrive, not just survive, but I'm able to thrive in my my day-to-day -day activities means that everyone's going to have a different level of, you know, desired fitness. And you don't have to have a, a six pack or, you know, a large muscles in order to be at a good fitness level. If that's one of your goals, then great. That can be worked into a fasting lifestyle as well. But if your goal is to do activities of daily living better or more easily, or to have higher levels of energy to play with your kids or your grandkids or take a hike or do whatever it is, recreational stuff, that should be woven into your definition of your own personal health. And then reverse engineer will go through, okay, how do I actually integrate my fasting lifestyle with that and with those goals? I love a good goal. I just don't like to be aiming at the wrong target, like a single number on the scale as defining my overall, you know, trajectory for health and wellness. Yeah. And it's interesting because I love listening to like, uh, you know, Dr. Peter Atia oh, he's and, great. And, and the such and the like, I should say, when mm -hmm. he talks about grip strength, being able to do a dead hang for two minutes, being able to do your body weight and farmer's carry, yeah. right? Like yeah. not, can I go run a mile, right? Not the president's 
you know, fitness tests that we did back in the day in school. Sure. Or it was how, how much do you bench? Test. Yeah. Can you stretch and put your fingers past your toes, right? Mm-hmm. So I love the concept of this conversation from Dr. Hunter, where he talks about three better fitness benchmarks, because I worked in clinical healthcare for a while. And if you lose your health or you get diagnosed or you have a, a knee issue or a joint issue or something or a disease process, then you spend your time, effort, energy, money, doctor's office, visits, medicines, protocols, trying to get your health back, right? Yeah. So this idea that we need to stay moving, right? So if you look at the centenarian population in Okinawa, most dense in the world. What do they do? They walk everywhere. They move, right? So movement is key. My grandmother, she stopped walking. She stopped driving in her 50s and her health steadily declined. Yeah. She stopped moving. My dad, sick, suffering, insulin, diabetic, 15 medications. He stopped moving. He was sedentary. They're saying now being sedentary is worse than smoking in terms of your mortality risk. So he stopped moving, couldn't get the weight off. He was stuck. He was on all these meds. Now, when he comes to visit, I don't have a to-do list for him when the grandma and grandpa come down. I don't have a to-do list big mm-hmm. enough. I can't stop. I can't get him to sit down. He's out there he's taking like the kids out of the cul-de-sac. He's running to the hardware store. He's climbing the ladder. He's in the attic. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and my mom's always done that, right? Can't keep up with yeah, her. That's but awesome. like this movement, this fitness, this activity component, right? is where we really want to focus over the, you know, when we go through these three different benchmarks that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, And now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night. Uh, since he was born, we have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is, uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. and We take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time, lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know 
that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. So when we're talking about actual just physical activity, like I think it's important to to remember, like, you know, we've had a few conversations about trackers, different activity trackers, because that can be one thing we, we see a lot of people with, you know, Apple watches and Fitbits and and all of these kind of things. But and we've talked about how they can be inaccurate and how 10,000 steps is not the holy grail and, you know, reviewed some of the research on that. I just like the fact that there is a reminder of, hey, you know what? Staying active, like you just talked about, is so important. I remember there was a book back in the day. It was called Spark. And it was about the the connection between your movement, specifically, you know, walking or running, your cardiovascular, you know, just moving your body and the health of your brain, your cognitive function, you know, pushing off things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and all of these these kind of things that were just, you know, huge. And the, this was the book was probably written 20 years ago. But just a gentle reminder that movement is important to you and a number that you can quickly look at, whether it's on your phone or on, on a watch or on a different wearable like that. I think it's big and it's not that it has to be that this one number defines you just like the scale. It's not like it's, it's a holy grail of a number. Listen, but weight's a pro- let's just say you. it. Weight's a problem because mm-hmm. we know what Agreed. comes with it. Carrying weight year after year like I was doing, it's a problem. The United States, 75% of the population is overweight or obese. 40% yeah. in the category of obese, more obesity in kids than ever before. Right. So yeah. we're not saying that it doesn't matter, but it's it shouldn't be the sole focus and the the attachment to your identity, right? Of course, for sure. Neither should that Apple Watch, you know, that that number of steps that yeah. I took today. Oh, don't even get me started. I have a whoop now. Shout out whoop. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Get on board. But my wife, like she would like like when she first got it, I was like, "Oh, she's a data head." I'm like, "Oh my god, stop." Mm, yeah. And I find myself doing that sometimes too. So it's a data, yeah. it's a tool, right? Yeah. Or closing the rings. Like my wife will say that for her Apple watch. Like, oh, no. I closed all my rings today. No, get out. I, don't, I, don't I mean, that's really great. That it's means. a reminder. Yeah. Yeah. But just the fact that you know it's important to you and it's a visual reminder is like one of the problems in our modern, you know, overwhelmed with technology kind of, you know, a state of being is the fact that it's easy to lose sight of what's important to us because we have so many different things going on. So a little bit of a reminder throughout the day kind of creates a little bit of of self-accountability and keeps it front of mind. And that's huge for sure. Right. And here's the thing is we think biggest loser. Oh, I got to work out to be fit. I got to do these crazy long workouts. I got to go get five miles in, right? Mm -hmm. It's really physical activity versus vigorous exercise. Like we know that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the NEAT category Mm -hmm. of caloric burn on a day-to-day basis is from this category of activities of daily living, right? So we want to get out of this, you know, body mass index weight scale thing. Not saying again, it's not important. That was just a metric to be able to quantify data and populations, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about this fitness, we want to be looking at the measurements that we get from those wearables, right? So resting heart yeah. rate. We just had a question from one of our coaching clients who was like, hey, what's the ideal resting heart rate? I'm like, lower, <laughs> right? Yeah. So <laughs> 40 to 50, lower. right? 50 to 60 at night. There isn't a time when outside of an emergency situation, right? So you want to see your resting heart rate, you know, lower because that shows that your heart is 
healthier when you're not doing any activity. And then yeah, Tommy, you use it. Your whole system yeah, it's more efficient, more right? And then the second thing is the heart rate variability, which is considered a sign of good cardiovascular health. And we've talked about a couple of fasting studies in regards to HRV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, because we know that as we are better and more consistent with fasting, that it's better for your resting heart rate and thus your heart rate variability as well to go from a 16 hour fast to an 18 hour fast to a 20 hour fast. And so it's it's cool to see that as we get better with our fast, and it's not that your next longest fast is the holy grail or that it needs to be right. ultra long, but understanding that, hey, I might not have any benefit at a 10 or a 12 hour fast, but I might have a benefit at a 16 hour fast or increasing that a little bit to an 18 or a 20 hour fast. Mm -hmm. I might have an even better benefit on my overall health picture. And then the fact that if I'm using like, let's say like a wearable to remind me that movement is important, I can structure some of that movement around my fast and breaking right. my fast too. So that's going to support my overall insulin goals that lead to my overall health goals as well. So we can work these pieces together like pieces of a puzzle and they serve as various reminders throughout the process that kind of help us stay focused on these things so that we can take a measurement like heart rate variability or resting heart rate and go, yeah, you know what? I, I don't care about let's say the six pack and i don't want to demonize a six pack or anything right. but it, it's such an easy like visual I ain't got kind one. Of thing i still got a few pounds of visceral <laughs> fat that's in the way right yeah but you know what would be more important to Closer actually than i've been think in a about? long time right that's that's <laughs> awesome but you know heart rate variability is something that i could measure and then i could say you know what this is highly correlated to overall health and longevity and quality of life lifespan and health span mm -hmm. so let me work on moving the needle there right. rather than just you know hey can i can i see the number on the scale move a little bit more i mean both would be better yes but let's expand our, our thinking on what would be a good goal to shoot for here as well as we kind of transition into 2024. so the couple of the fasting times you just mentioned we have the research articles pulled up and it was resting heart rate decreased by anywhere from five to eight or nine beats per minute in the different yeah. fasting groups right nice. so you know that's that people are like oh well five that's not statistically significant according to the research i'm like well you know what if you're a pre-diabetic on the a1c range and you get into mm. the non-pre-diabetic range and that's only 0.1 difference that's a big difference yeah right it's so statistically significant, significant yeah right for you that's yeah for sure. it's, it's significant to you right so that was one of the studies and then there was another study for the heart rate variability component that showed reduced hrv so you want to have a higher heart rate variability showing cardio mm. health overall cardiometabolic health yeah so a reduced HRV was associated with insulin resistance and lower insulin sensitivity. So we're talking about future blood sugar issues and metabolic problems, mm -hmm. right? So this was a non-overweight individuals. I can tell you when my heart rate is lower and I see it like that next day, I know that when I have a bad night of sleep, that my cravings are going to be higher, that my blood sugar maintenance and management is going to be less that day. I can mm. feel it. Yeah. Right. So when we're talking about this fitness, you know, fitness yes we want to get in we'll talk about the fitness here in just a minute but looking at these metrics right to track these in terms of long-term health sustainability or viability and if you are going to be focusing on the things that move the needle with fasting that get this stuff to move guess what the weight's going to come off too yeah and like you just tied it back to where that sleep and that heart rate variability kind of predicted the fact that your cravings were going to be worse the next day well that's where your overall health 
kind of came to meet with how easy or how intuitive your next fast is going to be too. And so it's cyclical in that way. And that's, that's important to remember because so often like I joined a gym or I got on with my diet and which tended to mean that I was on with my exercise component as well. But as soon as I got off with one, the other one tended to follow because I was, I was linking them together, but I was aiming in the wrong direction. So if I can think about it, like supporting my overall health means that I'm going to make my next fast a little bit easier to get into a little less like I'm I'm feeling like I'm restricting or I'm frustrated or white knuckling it. That's a really good thing. And we we talk about that throughout the challenge as well, because that that's one of the things like it can be easy to get off track. And then once I get off track, it can be uh, tough to get back on. Right? I totally forgot so about continuing this. Continuing that. Yeah. 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 So day five is when we talk about this stuff. To, no, day six, excuse me, is when we talk about exercise. And it's a huge like fire starter, right? It's like sure. the benefit of exercise is for cardiometabolic health, overall health. It's not the biggest needle mover for weight loss because you're sure. not burning en- enough calories, right? Doing your yeah. typical workouts. Now, building muscle increases your metabolic flexibility, your body's glucose Heck uh, yeah. you know, ability to process energy, increases yeah. your insulin, insulin sensitivity. sensitivity. So absolutely. But we get stuck in the biggest loser type, no pain, no gain type workouts, right? Mm-hmm. So I love the perspective on this point two was check your fitness. So hit your physical activity targets. So I had mentioned a dead hang or a farmer carry. Mm-hmm. The doc here in the article mentions abdominal strength. How long can you hold sure. a plank, right? Yeah. Arm strength, endurance, because you mentioned this earlier, Tommy, is, and I love this because I use RPE, which is the rate of perceived exertion in my whoop mm-hmm. when I track my Peloton zone training workouts. Okay. And it'll be like some days I'm like, man, that was easy. It was like a two. And other days I'm like, oh my goodness, that was a 25. And the scale only goes up to 15, right? <laughs> But if I look at the trends on those journal entries, since I've been doing that training, they've come down. My RPE mm. has gotten easier until I retest my zones and then it gets harder again. Sure. Right? That's, so, that's like the calibration, right? Right. And you're like, well, I don't need, I don't have a Peloton. I don't have a, this fancy stuff. Great. So listen, can you walk up the stairs at your office consistently without getting out of breath? Yeah. Can you play with your kids without feeling like the biggest thing we hear in the challenges, Tommy, is I can tie my shoes again without getting falling off the bed or feeling like I'm out of breath. I can carry the groceries in more easily. I can pick up my kids. I can, you know, those, those lifestyle type things. You don't need RPE rate of perceived exertion scales, right? But it's like, how does this check your fitness? Like, so hit the daily physical targets or weekly physical targets and use those as a metric. Because again, if those move, which also when you're doing those long, harder type, more strenuous type workouts, that can cause more hunger, which can make fasting more difficult. Yeah. True story. So strategically planning for that is also part of this equation. Yeah, those are some great points. And um, you know, when you're making this real to you, to what you do every single day, that's where this really starts to become your own individualized definition for right. what is what is health to you. And the really cool thing that's not often talked about is when you define it for yourself and you make the variables important to you and the outcome measurements important to you, that's where motivation starts yes. ramping up exponentially too. Because you take a number on the scale, like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. It's arbitrary. Even if your doctor said you absolutely had to, it's still being like imparted by somebody else. And it's not based on a lot of things that are deeply rooted in an emotional response from you. So it can be hard to like muster up the motivation to like kick in things into high gear. I'm the only person that said, I'm going to work out five days a week after work and then, (laughs) or I'm going to do it in the morning and then the day gets away. And I was like, nah. That's so tough. 
I'm not yeah. gonna worry about that little guy, right? Tomorrow. So, I'll yeah. give it another go tomorrow for sure. We want to shift our perspective here on the application of this fitness component. And we are not saying, yeah, exercise. Yes, build lean muscle. Yes, walk. Yeah. Yes, for cardiovascular and decreased mortality risk, 100%. Sedentary living is part of the problem. It's tough when you're in pain and you're overweight. I'm speaking from experience because it's harder mm -hmm. to want to do those things, which is why yeah, fasting- it's hard to get moving. Yeah, fasting can be so powerful because you can get that scale moving quickly and get some of the weight off and decrease the inflammation. And we've done you know dozens of episodes on the non-weight loss related benefits of fasting. So yeah, the final thought today is really looking at you know, and breaking free from the scale and putting fasting and weight loss into perspective is really looking at the ADL component. And this is something that we had to track when I was in clinical practice because we needed to submit it for insurance claims. And never mind that, but re-exams and checkpoints of, hey, we're trying to not have you have knee surgery. So how are mm -hmm. those staircases doing? And this yeah. falls into the category of what we call activities of daily living. We talked about this a little bit, but tracking your ADLs is a really great alternative to weighing yourself right? Mm. So not just this flight of stairs, but you know, maybe it's the time you can do the loop around the green area for the walk. Maybe it's, you know, can you do the, the dad dadding it so hard and try to bring all the groceries in, in one trip, <laughs> you know, but just make it apply to you. And these three things can really help shift the focus away from the scale. And what we want to do is shift it to more importantly, sticking to your fasting timers, playing the long game, putting health as the priority. Yes, the weight's going to come off. Yes, fasting can make that happen more quickly mm -hmm. too. Yeah, you know, and I think at a certain point of of mobility, flexibility, all of these kind of things. Oh activities gosh, of, yeah. keep going, flexibility, Act something I'm working activity, on. Activity, <laughs> right? Activities of daily living might be a really important starting point, especially if you've been immobile or inflexible or, you know, had a hard time getting around for a while, that's a great place to start. And then, you know, working your way up through consistent, you know, reminders and self-accountability. We talked about the wearables. Right. And and just just little things like that. Combine those with some consistency with your fasting mm -hmm. and then watch some of the improvements. They they tend to stack over time. And that's a really great process no matter where you're kind of starting from. So I think like taking your fasting and the way you define your health to the next level, like now in 2023, or if you're listening to this in 2024, it's the perfect time right. right now to do that and expand your thinking for it. Yep. You just took my takeaway from today. I want to encourage you guys <laughs> this time of year, put you first, keep voting for you, right? Yeah. If you need additional support, that's why we do these challenges this time of year. Hop in, head yep. to the show notes, click the link, check it out. Let us know if you got questions. It's typically where people need the most support. And this is just from our, mm -hmm. our experience and now taking, you know, 5,500 people plus through the, through the challenge experience. It's really like now is the time when the stress is higher, the sleep is less, the more food opportunities are there. Start putting some of these big rocks in place because mm -hmm. then the smaller rocks and the sand can fill in when you start the year with some momentum. So true. really want to just go big picture here, long-term health vision. It definitely relates to our journey, Tommy. So I just really hope that you guys can take a couple things away from this conversation, shift that focus, keep that momentum going. And we're going to encourage you to step outside of your comfort zone and hop on in for the final challenge of the year. So yeah. Tommy, as we wrap up today, appreciate the conversation as always, sir. Thanksgiving yeah. is in the rearview mirror. Christmas is right around the corner. So happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. Yes. We'll be back with episodes throughout the end of the year and then ramping out. we got some cool stuff coming up for 2024. So definitely. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk soon. Thank you.
So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.